Does anyone know our memory verse? Anyone know our memory verse? No temptation that is common to man. Do you guys know it? Has overtaken you. Come on, anyone know it? God is faithful. He will not tempt you beyond your ability. And these trials, come on, do you guys know it? These trials, what is it? Huh? These trials that have been given to you, he doesn't give you, won't give you any trials that you what? Did we say that part? Right, give you the escape. Does anyone know that second part, right, right next to that other part? God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. What's the next part? And he will make a plan of escape. And then how does it end? And that you would be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're taking notes, write this down. Today's message is titled, Face It. Face it. Look at the person and just say, face it. Yeah. I believe it will be a powerful word that will bless you as we discuss about what this face it means. And you saw a video today of this gentleman and he's talking about I have a confession to make. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that and what that looks like. And as we jump into the fourth installment of this series titled Addicted, um, I want to jump into what it looks like, what it looks like to face it. And I truly believe this. I believe that one of the main problems with facing addictions, with facing sins, habits, bad habits, those habits that even take the place of God in our lives, I believe one of the main problems is fear. How many of you would agree with that? Just fear in our lives, conquered by fear. Fear of facing our realities. Think about how some of us in here might go on thinking. We think things like this. Well, if this comes out, if this stuff in me comes out, if it makes itself known, I'll be categorized as blank. And we're scared to confess our sins because we'll be known as a certain person or belonging to a certain people. If this comes out, I'll be known as. If this comes out, I'll be seen as. Have you ever said this? If, if I share this to someone, I'll be treated like blank. And the truth is sometimes we just don't face it because we fear it. And the reason why we don't face things, we fear things, and we say things like, I'll never be able to face it, to tell someone, to confess to someone these deep addictions or this stuff that I struggle with. Why? Because I'll lose my friends. I'll, I'll lose the approval. I'll lose respect. I'll lose my identity that I'm trying to keep. I'll be filled with shame. Think about the guilt that will come from it, the pain, the voices, the opinions of others. How many of us are scared of that, huh? The ridicule, and the list goes on and on. And you're sitting here, and maybe you're like, I just fear. So because I fear, how will I ever be able to face it? You want to know what some of us really fear? Some of us just fear the reality of change or that something needs to change when it's confessed. If I admit to you my problem, then it's out there, and now the reality is I must do my part to change some things. Amen? Some of us fear that. Some of us fear that. I fear that, so why face it? And the only one that, this, the only one that, that those thoughts and that kind of mentality destroys, it's us. It's you if you're thinking like that. It will destroy you in the long run, carrying that weight 
It's tiresome. And I'm going to tell you something. It's against everything that Jesus Christ came for and died for. How many of you can say amen? Don't carry that weight. Come on, it's, it's time that we face our fears, that we face our failures. It's time that we take on responsibility, that we face it, confront it, that we admit it, that we just confess it already and say, i got to deal with these issues in my life. Any of you have issues? I know I do. And if you've got sin and if you've got some things that you're addicted to, and, and let's just be frank, let's just be real here. It's, if it's a sexual one, face it. If it's a habitual one, we learned that in first week, you face it. If it's an internal one that deals with feelings and thinkings, etc., it's time today that we face it. Just, Pastor Rigo, it's a straight-up sin in my life. I, I can't stop sinning in this area. Or this sin just has total condemnation or control over my life. Come on, say it with me. Two words. Very easy. Get it in your mind. What is it? Face it. Face it. And maybe you say today, well, I feel horrible I know that this thing is wrong and I no longer want to carry this. I no longer want to be this way. And I want to share this with you and I, and I mean this and I'm going to share a verse in a second. I want to tell you, if you feel horrible and you no longer want to be this way and it's eating you up, I want to say, thank God. I want, yeah, it's funny because I'm looking and some of you just went, what? I do not agree. No, thank God. It's actually, I, I'm actually thanking the Lord for real that you do feel bad about your sin. And that's great and that's good. It's good that you feel bad about your ongoing sin. You want to know why? It's the touch of grace in your life. What would worry me more is if you didn't feel bad. But because you want to change, because you want to be free, because you want to face this today, it's a touch of grace. And you still have the chance to turn from sin's coldness, from what has you addicted, and you have a chance to turn to the warmth of a forgiving Christ, like that man said in, in worship today. So, so if your heart, if it, was, if it was already hard beyond repair, you wouldn't be bothered by sin. Actually, you would continue to sin because nothing affects you or bothers you. But if you're here today and you're convicted and you're hurting and you're broken and you're filled with sorrow, I want to share this with you. Ready? Your conviction is actually his kindness. That's powerful. Because if you're struggling with something today... And you're filled with a conviction and like, oh, I just want this. I say, thank you, Jesus, because that's actually your kindness in that person. It's biblical. Paul says in Romans chapter 2, 4, that his kindness leads us to repentance. Did you know that? I'm going to read it to you and I'll read it. It says this. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? How many of you can say amen? Yeah. Look what it says next. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? That his kindness, one translation says, leads us to repentance? Amen. And knowing this truth, it's, we could say this. Oh, wow. It's good to know this verse. Because now I, I know that I have to face these things. You know, Last week we spoke about freedom and, and what freedom looks like in the midst of being addicted and how we could get free. And the truth is, how will we ever be free if we can't confess these deep-rooted sins and these addictions in our lives? How would you ever be free if you can never face it on your own? I'm going to get to a point that you're not really on your own. 
I want to share a verse. It's in the book of James. It's a powerful verse. I probably got text with this verse about with five people probably text me throughout this week with this verse. And it's James chapter 5, verse 16. And look what it says here. If you're taking notes, James 5, 16. If you don't have your Bible, we'll put it up on the screen, but have your Bible highlight, underline. It's good to do that and study the word. In James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. Come on, what does it say next? That you may be what? Confess your trespasses. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. That you may be healed. And it says the effective, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. One translation says it this way. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It's good. I want to share it the way Eugene Peterson translates it as. Watch this. Watch what he says in the message. Make this your common practice. Write that in your notes. Make this my practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. And the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. How many of you can say amen? How many of you feel the way I feel when I read all this? I said, my goodness gracious, what is the big deal about all this one another? Everything's one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that one another may be healed. Like, what is it with this one another? When I read it, what is it? And, and I want to share this with you that, that sometimes, write this in your notes, confession among one another within the community, within the brotherhood, the sisterhood of the church, confession among one another is needed before healing can ever take place. What do you mean by that? We need God. But let's not front and let's not lie. There is also this truth. We also need someone else that we could cry with and come to and talk to and love with, huh? There, there's someone else that needs to share this affliction and this oppression and understand what I'm going through. I love what the, what the gentleman said, and I want to quote him. He says this, For if everyone is confessing, there is no room to make judgments in the church. That's powerful. Because if, if, if you and I are, are sharing the burden of each other's strongholds and sins and things that are affecting me, it, it's a beautiful thing. Watch this. You'll judge me less because, because you're open about your sin and you're open about that are bugging you and that have you addicted and have had a stronghold on you maybe for years. And watch this. You're no different than me. So together, when we open up, we don't have room for judgment we have room for is grace and love and truth between one another oh you struggle I struggle too what does that mean we need each other to strengthen each other to pray for each other confess your sin to me I confess my sin to you and and you never never you might get and you might see this part of the verse so that you may be healed confess pray watch yourselves get healed Talk about it, pray with one another, and watch healing begin to occur. If you weren't here on Wednesday, we, man, we, we, we really got into part one of this message. So this is part 4B. So if you have a chance, 
Go back to our podcast. Go back to our website, nlmiami.com. Go back to whatever it is. We'll, we'll teach you how to get there. And listen to part 4A. And today is really 4B to really understand this. You're remembering things that we shared on Wednesday if you were part of that group. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. This confessing and prayer is big because this effective and, and fervent prayer of the righteous, man, it avails much. It produces good results. And this is when the people change. This is when the people start to get healed in church. Church, I'm going to talk to you from my heart now. It's not when we sit with them and we quote hundreds of verses to remind them that they're sinners. That necessarily doesn't change people all the time. It's not when you shun them because the sin or their addictions have been revealed. I always knew there was something wrong with that guy. Listen, there's something wrong with me too. There's something wrong with you too. Do you think that he was the only one? Do you think that she was the only one? Do you think that they were the only one? How about if you begin to confess things that are deep down in your heart? What would people think about you? We all have struggles. We, we all have some sort of change at some point of our life. And maybe you still have many today. And it's not when you shun them because sin or these addictions were revealed. But listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's when you look past all of that. And you take hold of each other, each other, one another, that brother, that sister. And you confess sin to each other. You struggle? Yeah, man. Me too. So then what? This is great. What do you mean great? Because you need me and I need you. What do we do now? We confess our sins. We pray for one another. And let's believe that God will heal us together. That's the church. That is the body of believers. That's who we're called to be. That's what new life is. That's who Christ is. Confess your sins. I want to say so much, but... 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. We read this on Wednesday, and it says this. If we walk in the light as He is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. Everyone say fellowship with one another. My goodness, that word one another again. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How many of you can say amen? Amen, amen. Amen, that's good. It's good, that's good. Say that's good. Good, that's the word of God. It's good. If we walk in the light as Jesus, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. We learned this phrase on Wednesday together as a church. And the phrase there of we have fellowship with one another, it actually means something pretty powerful. You want to know what it means? Anyone on Wednesday want to say it? Yeah. When it says that we have fellowship with one another, it means that we have a deep Divine, I love that we keep mentioning deep today, huh? You know why I think we're mentioning deep today? Because I truly believe that God wants to go deep in someone's life today. Why else would we be continuing to say the word deep? But watch this. It means a deep, divine fellowship. I'm going to touch some nerves or I'm going to bless some people. It depends where you stand on this side of the spectrum. But this is where I stand biblically and this is my theology on this. Deep, divine fellowship. I started to think about that phrase throughout Thursday and Friday as I was going to get 
to, to preach this today. And then I said, no wonder. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. In Romans 12, 15 and 16, how else will someone be able to do this verse if there is not a deep divine fellowship? Well, what does Paul say in Romans 12, 15 and 16? It says this, you rejoice with those who rejoice, you weep with those who weep, and verse 16 says, and you be of the same mind toward what? You can't run away from one another. Re rejoice with each other and cry with each other, be sorrowful with each other, and be happy with, 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 with each other, one another. And at the same time, he, he ends off and he says this, and you be of the same mind together toward one another. Powerful verse. Because how does someone live to this? Well, they live to that according to what 1 John chapter 1 says. That only happens if we have a deep, divine relationship with each other. Like, like watch this. My, and, I, and I always, and Tito, he sits in the front, so he's always going to get picked on. But, but Tito, I've known him for years. I've, I've known Tito when he had long hair. I knew, I, I knew Tito. What? I, this is the Tito that I know, that we went to Denny's one day, and, and there was a lot of people there, and we walked in, and, and he started going, dun, 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 and he went, and he threw himself in front of everyone that was eating in Denny's, and he did rolls and with guns, and everyone's eating, looking at, I know Tito since he was in high school, and he's known me since I was in middle school, and, and watch this, and now we're older, and he has a family, and I have a family, and we're doing ministry together, and then he's confessing to me, and I've spoken weaknesses to him, and do you know that my relationship with Tito goes so deep, it is so strong, it is so divine, this brotherhood that we have, that there is nothing that Tito can tell me that is going to cause me to turn my back on Tito, because my relationship with him is stronger than any other relationship, it is something that only God can do. It is a deep, divine fellowship that I have with Tito. It's not just, hey, brother, I see you on church on Sunday. Hey, brother, I see you on church on Sunday. No, the relationship that I have among my brother is, oh, man, I don't just see you on Sunday. I cry when you cry. I rejoice when you rejoice. We confess to one another. We pray for one another. And have we not seen healing amongst each other? We have. We have. My greatest conversations with Tito have been on my bed. He's weeping about a future wife. Well, today he has a wife and daughter. Amen. Remember those conversations? We confessed. We prayed. We're healed. It's, it's a deep, divine fellowship that I have. And watch this, watch this. It's a deep, divine fellowship that you have. Churches are getting it wrong. Christians are getting it wrong. It's not that we are judgmental in the sense of just pointing out your sin, your failures, and your faults. It's a relationship in transparency. It's a relationship that is built on truth. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's not a hypocritical, super saved, mumbo-jumbo, quote-a-verse, tell-your-spiritual-story kind of relationship come on that was, should have gotten some amens because we've all been in that kind of relationship yeah i love that you quote a verse but you never even look my way for two years huh huh it's, it's not about that this church stuff is to be deep divine brotherhoods that we have with one another 
It's not just a religion. It's something that's so much deeper, that sews us together, that knits us together, that runs deeper, deeper than family and blood and earthly bonds. What do you mean you can't say that? Blood is thicker than water. Listen to me. I know, I'm not even going to preach that. I know some families, but, but watch this. This organism called the body of Jesus Christ is put together and cleansed like we just read through the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to know why in Christianity there's a brotherhood sometimes that is tighter than a brotherhood than earth? Because there is nothing stronger than the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that knits people together, something stronger in that than the blood here on earth. Oh yeah. Because I have such a greater relationship with some of my brothers and sisters in the Lord than I do with my very own family. So you, Because the blood that I share with them is so much stronger than the blood that I share with my family. You can't say that. Yes, I can. Because with you guys, I share the blood of Jesus. With my family, I share the blood of man. You tell me that the blood of Jesus is not stronger than the blood of man. And I'll tell you with our love, you're wrong. So we share with one another the blood of Jesus. We, we were knit with that. We're tied together with that. That's what we belong to, organism. So I say news alert to everyone. We have fellowship, a deep divine fellowship within this blood. And this is the blood that does what? Well, what did we just read in 1 John? Come here, come here. This is the blood that what? That cleanses us from what? Come on, don't be scared to say that because for some of you, you watch this. For some of you, you want to continue to throw the dart at certain groups of individuals. But come on, you're wrong. This is the blood, the blood of Jesus that cleanses man from what? From all sin. Now is when we talk about truth. Now we talk about what scripture really means by all sin. And I shared this on Wednesday. It means all sin. And how many of you in here with sin today and all kinds of sin? Could go like this with me. Ready? That covered me. That covers me. This is why I choose to love the sinner rather than hate them and to crucify them and to speak evil against them. Because I know that love, Bible says, covers the multitude of sin. And I know that in my truth and in my transparency with them, we could win someone that is deeply in sin rather than standing before them and saying, you're evil, you're wrong, get away from us, we're holy, we're the church. Come on, who we're lying to? There's no one in here that has for one day lived a perfect life. One of the most interesting things that have been going on in my life is this new thing with same-sex marriage and this thing with where do we stand with homosexuality? Pastor Rigo, when are you going to share your thoughts on that? You know my thoughts if you know the Word of God. <laughs> what do you want me to do, take a side, whether I stand with this side of the church or this side of the church? I side with the Word of God when it comes to those things. So I don't side with this side or this side. I side with His side. So what would you do? Nothing. I don't agree with it, of course. Of course, and you don't agree with that, of course. But watch this. It doesn't mean you crucify them. It doesn't mean that you throw the stone. It means that now you have a greater chance to throw the cross at them and at the murderer and at the one who's filled with lust 
and at the one and at the one who's addicted to other things, whether it's a sexual sin, a straight up sin, a, a hidden, whatever it might be. I shared on Wednesday, that's why it does not matter whether someone is a murderer, whether someone is a liar, whether someone is a thief. I bring someone up right now and I say, you, come up, and you walk up here. And I look at him and I say, my brother Pierre is here, and I love Pierre, he's from the way. And I say, Pierre, come up. And of course I'm going to use Pierre today, and he comes up, Pierre's going to make his way up here. You can come up, buddy, at this time. <laughs> And I say, as Pierre makes his way up, I want to share a little bit about this man. And he's making his way up, and you're like, wow, he's good looking. He's dressed nice. Wow, he's got so much style. <laughs> but then I grab your understanding of Pierre, and I say, well, let me tell you who he really is. And I throw his sin out there. I said, Pierre is actually a murderer. He's killed three people. He has. He has actually murdered three people, this clean, good-looking, stylish man. And if I tell you some of the ages, you would be amazed. And, but he has. He's killed three people, and he's here in church today. And watch this. He even serves here now, maybe. And he's repented, and he's in Christ now. And, but don't ever get it out of your mind. This man's murder. He's, he's killed three people. That's serious, man. Then I call Michael, my buddy Michael up here, and I say, Michael, come on. And Michael comes up here, and man, this guy's good looking too, man. <laughs> and he's dressed nice, and he's got some nice style. And I say, so on one side, you have this murderer. He's a beloved brother now. But let me tell you a little bit about Michael, man. He's good looking. He works out. You could tell. He's in shape. <laughs> style. But I say, well, Michael's just, he's just a liar. He loves to lie a lot. You can't have one conversation with him, and he sneaks in a little lie. You'll never, he's so good at it that you'll never know he's lying. You're like, ah, oh, we all lie. And at the end of the service, if I say, go ahead and hang out with one of these guys, most of you would just come up to the liar. Embrace the liar. <laughs> Who doesn't lie? Most of us in here have all lied once in our lives. Amen? That shouldn't be an amen, right? But a murderer... Don't compare me to the murderer. Don't ask me to go out with the murderer. Don't tell me to hang out with the murderer. Come on. And, and, and if you have, I know the Lord still loves you, and we could discuss this if you want to share these things with me. But, but I'm not going to hang out with this murderer because I have a child at home. I have a wife at my house. And how do I know that this murderer might not strike again? You know what, murder? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to pay too much attention to the murderer. I'd rather pay... More attention to the liar. And most of us as Christians live in this world that watch this. Oh, but the lying is not that bad. But these murderers. And you know what society has done today? They've done the same thing with all other kind of categories of sin. And the popular one today, and it's wrong. Just like murdering is wrong. Just like lying is wrong. Just like stealing is wrong. You bring the homosexual up here. Like, well, I'm not bringing that around my son. I'll hang out with the liar or my daughter. And, and I look at you and I say, but they're all Christians. They're all saved. They all know they have sin and they're all making their life right. And then we go to scripture together. And I say, how about if I show you a text that says this? That, that no murderer... Yes, and no homosexual that's practicing that sin. No murderer, no homosexual. None of these people will all inherit the kingdom of God. But within that same verse, it says this, that no murderer, but yet no liar. Together, no murderer or no liar. 
liar will inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you why there is no difference between the murderer and the liar, the homosexual and the thief. Because watch this. When it comes to sin, Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse us, not just from the lying sin, but also the murdering sin and also from all these other sins that you might think are stronger and deeper there is not one sin that is more powerful and goes deeper than the power of Jesus Christ Jesus covers all sin get theology right get mind right get the scripture right so watch this come here thief um, liar come here you killer and here I am trying not to lie definitely haven't killed no one in the flesh in my heart, that's a different story. But watch this. Our brotherhood, Scripture says this. All of us enter into the kingdom of God together. You want to know why all of them enters together? Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All of it. One of the saddest things I've seen is the church of today not do the same. Instead, catch bitterness and hatred. Guys, if you think that just this one bill is what made this world go wrong, get ready for other things that are going to happen. So what do I do? Everyone's acting like the world's falling. It's been falling. So what do I do? What do you mean, what do you do? You do what you need to do. You stand in the truth. You stand in the word. Stay in the blood. The blood that the liar and the murderer, the thief and the homosexual, the, the adulterer, don't talk about them. Yeah, they're covered in that too. The gossiper, the one that's filled with hate. The Bible says, man, let's confess our sins. Let's pray to each other that we may be healed. Maybe all that Tito needs is to confess his sin to me. And maybe all that I needed was to hear that Tito too is struggling. And just because he did that, he becomes stronger, he becomes bolder, and God begins to heal him. And just because he did that, I begin to get healed. One of the greatest things that he could do for himself is to confess to the right person his sin, to find prayer in. And one of the greatest things that could happen to myself is to receive that kind of confession from my brother. Listen, there is strength in the divine, deep fellowship that we have with one another, it doesn't matter what sin we're talking about. I hope you guys got that today because I'm off that topic. Deep divine fellowship. So hey, if you're addicted today, maybe you're here today and you're like, I struggle. Is there anyone here that struggles like I do? I can confide with them and weep with them, pray with them, find hope. And they won't look at me through my past sin, but they will see me today through Jesus' blood. Is there anyone here? I hope some of you could say I'm here. I could see you through the blood of Christ. Hey, addicted, if you're here today, face it. Face it. Because there's someone else here that's ready to face it with you. How many of you can say amen? So I'm going to get into the story real quick, and I'm not going to take a long time, and then we're going to get ready to wrap it up. Watch this. It's the book of Luke chapter 18. I'm going to make a point and catch this, and don't miss it. It's very powerful. And Jesus is telling a story in Luke 18, starting at verse 9. And it's a story of a Pharisee and a tax collector. Please flow with me here. And Jesus says this story, and in verse 10 he says, Two men went to the temple to pray. So two men went to church. One was a Pharisee, and the other one was a despised tax collector. Did everyone see what, he, what, what it says? One was a what? A Pharisee, and the other one was a what? 
No, not just a tax collector. Don't lie. A despised tax collector. Already labeling. Already categorizing. So one's a Pharisee. Thank God. He's holy. He's a man of the scriptures. He's someone who's spiritual. But then the other one is a despised tax collector. Verse 11. So the Pharisee stood by himself and he praised this kind of prayer. Come here. Follow with me. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner. Come on. Come on. I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, and I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery, and I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I actually fast twice a week, and I give you, Lord, a tenth of my income. And he's crying this out to God. Woo! Thank God I'm not like him. That guy sucks. I'm pretty good. Verse 13. But then the tax collector... He stands at a distance. Come here. Why do you think he stands at a distance? He doesn't think he's worthy. Shame. I wonder how many people today walked into church and you're at a distance today. All because of experiences that you've had at church. Forgive the church. I promise you, we're not that church. We don't want you to stand at the distance. Listen to me. If you came in today with your sin, you're like, I can't believe they're doing a message of addicted. I'm going to tell you, you're at the right place. Walk on in. Let's confess. Let's pray and watch Jesus heal you. But the tax collectors at a distance. Last time I came in here, everyone almost stoned me because all my sin was revealed. Oh, despised tax collector! I'm scared to come back in again. Some of you were invited today, and you're like, kind of scared to go back to church. What is that young crazy preacher going to say today? And you would have never thought that this is what we were going to say today. The tax collector stands at a distance and he dared not even to lift up his eyes to heaven. And he begins to pray and instead he said, oh Lord, I've never sinned. Woo, I'm pretty good. Nope. Scripture says that he begins to beat his chest in sorrow. Can you imagine the anguish, the sorrow you're going through? Lord Jesus. And he's banging his chest. And he begins to say this, oh God, be merciful to me. And what does he say next? Church, come on, what does he say? For I am a sinner. The other guy's like, thank God I'm not a sinner like him. Never really cheated, never cheated on my wife. Pretty good. I'm a pretty moral person. Mom taught me well, dad did good. I'm all right. And the other guy's walking in, taxi, he's like, sorry, forgive me, have mercy. Here it is, I can't lie anymore. I need to confess this to you. I am a sinner. Amazing. And Jesus looks at those he's teaching in verse 14 and he says, I tell you that this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Come on. And, and here we have a story of two different groups that come to church, that walk into the temple, that come into new life. Two different groups of people. And I don't want you to miss it for once. There's the Pharisee. That they don't even see their own sin because of something called self-righteousness. And because of self-righteousness, listen to this, and you can write this on your notes. They don't consider their own sin. And when you don't consider your own sin, you know how dangerous it is? You know what you start to do? You do just like the Pharisee did. When we don't consider our own sin, we make up for it by thinking and speaking often about the sin of others. Yeah, look at him, look at her, look at, look at you. So the other day, we had friends over, 
And everyone began to bash someone within the group, and they were at my house. And, and in my house, I learned something. I'm going to set the rules in my house. So they began to bash, and they began to talk bad, and they began to speak about certain things. Hey, what do you think, Rigo? What do you think? Huh? And they came up to me, and I looked at all of them. I said, I think what you guys need to do is, and I said like this, is shut up, because in this household, we don't talk like that about people. Everyone went, well, someone needs to be the example here. Guys, because I know that in my house, if I really wanted to, I could open up my door, and I'm probably worse than everyone else that they were talking about. I'm telling you right now, before you choose to look at someone else's sin and to speak about someone else's sin, look at the mirror, open up your heart, and say this. Instead of focusing on someone else's sin, I'm just going to go ahead, come into a room, and start talking about my own sin. And you watch how you put everything right back in the proper perspective. And that's what happened with the Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like him. What do you think God was doing in his throne? Who the heck told you that? You're actually worse than him. You're actually at a worse state. And he thought often about the sin of others. These hold in, these kind of people, they're the ones that hold in their confession. You're holding that in today? And I wonder if they ever are even aware that they are addicted in sin. And then you have this sinner. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. A tax collector. A, a, a despised tax collector. And the scripture says, he comes to the Lord and he's broken. He's filled with sorrow. He's repentant of his sin Watch this, guys. He doesn't boast. He shows no self-righteousness. He does not hold back. He faces the truth. He walks into his temple, to the temple, to the church. And what does he do? He confesses his sin. Did you notice the prayers? I, 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 I. You know who else prayed I? Be very careful with conversations that everything is about I. Because Satan used the same thing. I this, I that, I that. Guess where it got him? Kicked out of the throne of God. So the Pharisee comes before the presence of God. I'm not like that. I'm no sin. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not this. And I love the other man's prayer. The other one is a paragraph. The sinner is one sentence. I am a sinner. You know who God honored? Not the righteous man who thought he had it all together. He honored and he justified the one that was able to confess the truth. I struggle. I sin. I'm addicted. Lord, have mercy. That's who I am. That's good. That's good. The tax collector wastes no time when the Pharisee wastes all of God's time and all of his time because God wasn't going to hear him. And Jesus says in verse 14, the Pharisee returns home, not justified, but the sinner does. So I say this, what is it about you, about your sin, about addiction, that you can't humble yourself, confess to someone, to God? Don't feel like you have to represents something that's not really true. You're not that person. If you need to confess today, don't exalt yourself. Don't be self-righteous. Be humble. Face it. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that we may be healed. How many of God's people can say amen? I love this. Church, we're done picking up stones. Say that. I'm done picking up stones. Good. It's time to pick up my cross. Oh... I'm done picking up stones. It's time that we pick up our cross. It's time that we pick up our cross before picking up our stones. And that's who we're called to be. And as we get ready to end, I want to share something that I shared on Wednesday, and I end with these verses. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, listen to what John says as we get ready to face our sin. John says, my children, 
These things I write to you so that you do not, guess what? Sin. And if anyone sins, we have a what? We have an advocate. You can highlight that. We have an advocate with the Father and it's Jesus Christ. Look what it calls him. Remember last week we talked about righteousness? Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at verse 2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the whole world. I want you to see something in this as we get ready to close off here. The first thing I want you to see is, is that we have an advocate. Everyone say that word with me. Advocate. It's a good word. Because when you look at that word advocate, it means this. It means one who stands on your behalf before the Father. Listen to this. One who stands on your behalf before the Father. And John goes ahead and calls this advocate Jesus Christ. He says, and he's the righteous one. I love that because we all know from last week that we're not righteous. But thank God that we have someone that stands for us before God who is righteous. And then I look at 1 John chapter 2 and I say, it sounds familiar. And I want to share two other scriptures. Timothy says something very similar. And in 1 Timothy 2.5, he says this. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man. And that mediator that stands between God and man is the man, Jesus Christ. How many of you could say amen? And then the author of Hebrews comes in. And the author of Hebrews writes this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So what do we see here? The book of Hebrews, the author, Timothy, the author, and John, the author, are all writing that Jesus Christ is standing in a place where you and I desperately need him. And what is that place? It's at a place where he speaks on your behalf to the Father. And the Bible calls him a mediator. The Bible calls him an advocate. Hebrews says he's the high priest. I love this because the second part says this about our high priest, our advocate, and our mediator. And it says this, and he, the mediator, the advocate, the high priest, the righteous one, he, he is the propitiation. Say that word. Yeah, it sounded funny, didn't it? He's the propitiation of our sins. Not just for you, but for the whole world. The second thing I want you to see after advocate is the word propitiation. Because that word in the Greek is actually helasmos. And I want you to know what the word propitiation, that word helasmos means. That word means this. He is a sacrifice that bears God's wrath and he turns it into favor. That should have gotten an amen. Because what I just learned right now is this. That I have sin in my life. And I know I need to get to a point where all my addictions that I struggle with, I got to find people that I could relate to and people that I could pray with and share these things with. And that together, because we know that we need each other, but together we know that we desperately need more of God we come before the one who is right one who stands on our behalf before the father and when the father comes the Bible says that wherever there is sin God cannot be found and 
here we are in our sin and one day you and I will stand before the Father and the Father will look at you and say who are you who are you you sinner I see sin all over you there is sin on your life there is sin that you've gone through even before you died you were sinning but out of nowhere Jesus Christ the advocate the high priest the mediator the the one who scripture calls the righteous he does something that you and I can never do he stands in the middle between you and God and he says father wait a minute I know what you're talking about but but I stand for this one what do you mean I'm his and I'm her propitiation what yeah I bear your wrath over their life because of their sin and return I do nothing else but give them favor and God looks at you when everything that you and I deserve is hell and wrath and pity God looks at you and he gives you favor because there is one that stands where no one else can stand your mom can't stand there your church can't stand there your pastor can't stand there your religion can't stand there it's only one his name is Jesus the mediator stands in the middle of you and God and as he stands in the middle he says I've covered their sin I've been their propitiation I held and I took your path so that instead we give them favor and something about the father rejoices and he allows us to enter and I thought about these verses and I said this is who he is for us today thank you Jesus for for bearing God's wrath and turning it to favor in my life how many of you could thank him for that and I wrote this I want to share it just like I wrote it. Face it. Face it because it's easier than ever before. Because he's already faced it for you. Jesus has faced what you and I would never be able to face. He faced the cross. And on that cross, remember the cry? Father, why have you what? you forsake me because son where there's sin I can't be it's okay because the greatest curse which is the cross I shared this on Wednesday we we get tattoos of it we put them on our window stills we on our dashboard we wear them on our necklaces and on our charms and we put them in the back of our churches what was the biggest curse because of the mediator, because of Jesus, actually becomes the biggest blessing. And God, Jesus Christ is in the business of doing what no one else can do. Watch this. To grab the greatest curse and to return it as favor and to make it your greatest blessing. So you struggle with sin. Well, guess what? So do I. Trust me, so does the person next to you. And you're addicted for so many years. So are some others in here. But watch this. Watch what I'm about to tell you. That family issue, that personal issue, that addiction issue, that sin issue, whatever it might be, I'm going to tell you that God is able to grab what was to you. You looked at it as a curse for so long. You looked at it as bitterness for so long. 
God turns it, and from one second to another, that chain, that yoke of bondage, that darkness, which held you captive for so long, actually becomes your trophy and actually becomes the thing that you could glorify Jesus with. And the greatest curse in your life for the presence of Christ in one second could become the greatest blessing in your life. All because of what you experienced in Jesus Christ who's faced it for you and in return has given you favor. How many of you could say amen to that? That's who God is. That's who he is. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Jesus, you are that sacrifice that bared that wrath to return to me that favor and that grace. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I recognize that I have to face it. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm not alone. Because, Lord, I have you that has already faced it for me. So as I face my sin, as I face my addiction, Lord, here it is. Turn it to favor. Let me get through this. Link me up with the right brother, with the right sister, that I would be able to confess and pray with, that I would receive my healing, that together we could grow as a unit, as an organism. And Lord, as I come before you, just like I share that deep divine fellowship with my brothers and sisters man I share that deep divine fellowship with you Lord because of your blood and it's the blood that cleanses me from all sin and I know that if I'm addicted today I could face it because my God Jesus you're able to cleanse me from all that sin you stand on my behalf to turn all that nasty and guilt and shame and sin and addiction to turn it to favor and to forgive me of all my sins so this is what I want to do as we just get ready to close up and sing a song to the Lord and, and worship Him if that's you today and you're like the tax collector that said I Lord am a sinner have mercy I'm going to open up the altar and I'm going to ask you come up we want to pray with you. I'm going to ask some of the leaders if, to pray over you. And, and when you come up here, don't be scared to say, Lord, I confess my sin. One that I haven't confessed in years. One that has been conquering me. One that I've been struggling with. One that I'm addicted to. Today, before your presence, I face it. And turn God's wrath my life. Forgive me of my sins. As I pray with my brother, heal me today. Addicted, you're not alone.